0: How much did you gain in COVID? Because I gained 20. I think I'm on that path. I'm on the COVID-20 plan. (laughs) Yes. And I realized it's because I wasn't wearing my work pants. I was wearing elastic bands. I'm like, oh, these work pants. I I hated those work pants. And I'm like, now I see the value you have. You know? (laughs) Reminded me there are minutes. (laughs) It's a
1: reference point, right? Like, oh, okay. When something starts feeling uncomfortable, you're like, wait, what's going on? Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by... April Frazier, confidence
2: coach, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as the influencer.
3: Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer.
1: Welcome back to The Jealous Vegan. We are so excited to bring to you Samantha Salmon, the founder of rawfoodmealplanner.com. So first, the most obvious thing is, how does someone whose last name is a
0: fish (laughs) found a company dealing with eating raw food (laughs) well so the story starts really when my grandma was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and then later on i watched her die in front of me on hospice care because of complications due to type 2 diabetes i got married moved to the bay area california And veganism now is coming into my realm of consciousness, right? I'm in the scene of like Cafe Gratitude, which at the time was an all raw vegan restaurant. I'm reading books by Dr. Joe Furman, Dr. Neil Barnard and learning about how the foods you eat can cause type two diabetes and can also reverse type two diabetes, depending on what you choose. And when I found this out, it felt like a huge betrayal, you know, cause we were basically doing all the things the doctors and dietitians told us to do with my grandma and she died anyway. During this time of, you know, when I when I found out about veganism and found out about the healing powers of veganism, I was also learning about raw foods at the same time. And I became vegan and I gained a lot of weight because I didn't like vegetables. So I was eating a lot of fruits and a lot of pasta, a lot of bread, you know, basically the stuff I liked before, just without meat and dairy. Raw foods this time, you know, other than going to Cafe Gratitude, I fell upon the 80-10-10 lifestyle. And there's a book written by Dr. Doug Graham called 80-10-10, kind of figured out like, OK, raw foods. I want to try raw foods because people are talking about how you can eat, 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 eat. eat and lose weight and who doesn't wanna do that, right? Cause I love to eat. And so I just tried, you know, first things first, I started with the breakfast and started with green smoothies and figured that would be my way of incorporating more vegetables and just try and get more and more raw. And that became my lifestyle, smoothies, doing, making smoothies, making juices, that became my lifestyle. And my husband and I, we decided about two and a half years after that point to make this lifestyle into a business. That's when we started our raw vegan restaurant in Chicago, which we expanded from one location to two locations. By the time we closed that business, we had 14 team members and we had been in the Chicago area for like six, seven years. So yeah, it's it's been a long journey. But Salmon <laughs> my last name Salmon actually comes from Salmon Town in Jamaica West Indies. So, yeah, it's it is quite ironic. I definitely don't encourage eating salmon or any seafood. <laughs> That was a long way to say, don't eat that. Yeah. <laughs> Is Sam in your married name or your maiden name? My maiden name. Yes. Uh, even though, I, you know, I said I was going to take off my radical hat. <laughs> but um, I just felt like, you know, women get married and they always take the man's name. So I asked my husband if he wanted to take mine. He said no. And so I said, OK, so I'm keeping mine and you're keeping yours. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I ain't mad at it. Yeah, yeah. I want I want my descendants to know from whence they came, and I don't want that history to be lost. So,
1: I'm the last Hunley, so I I understand how you feel. One of the reasons we were really interested in talking to you is that some of our audience are making major changes in their life, and part of that, of course, is, you know, going from a traditional American diet to then adopting a vegan diet. And similar to what you said, you know, they'll just cut out dairy and meat. But some people are, you know, they get to a point where they say after 3 days, "Hey, I'm tired of eating salads." So, can you help us understand one, is there more than the basic salad that's available? And what are some of the other ways that raw food besides smoothies and salads can be accessible to folks?
0: Yes. So even the smoothie can get really fun. Like I've been doing smoothies for years and they still stay fun. And that's because I rotate like, you know, you're not eating the same things all the time. God, in his infinite wisdom, you know, put all these different fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds on the planet. And people even, you know, they sprinkle their own ingenuity, turn the nuts and seeds into butters. Now you have tahini to play with and cashew butter and almond butter to play with. So there's a lot of variety in the plant-based world and when you're looking at salads in particular, you know, I follow a high raw diet. So I'm not 100% raw foodie cuz I don't think you need to be 100% raw in order to get the benefits and I have learned and discovered this on my journey. But with a salad, the way I do a salad is I have a base of greens, right? And I will add nuts. I will add seeds. I will add seasoned legumes. So Lately, I've really been enjoying seasoned lentils because lentils are really quick to cook, you know, so if you're busy, you know, it's just 20 minutes and you just boil it, season it, you know, and you can season things all sorts of different ways. So I would say, like, if someone's eating chicken, how would you season your chicken? Because unseasoned chicken does not taste good. Right. No one wants to eat that. If you are West Indian and you like to jerk, you can jerk all your beans and all your lentils, you know, and have a jerk lentil seasoned salad. You can even put that jerk sauce in a dressing, you know, add it with some olive oil and a vinaigrette. And now you have a jerk uh, salad, seasoned salad. So there's just all sorts of ways like you can. Either it's something you add to the salad, like legumes, like some starches. I love me some plantains. I love sweet potatoes, you know, things like that. Or you can, you know, pizzazz your dressing basically with different nut butters, different types of seasonings. You can make different types of sauces, the same type of creativity you would bring to a meat dish. You're going to do the same thing with the plant foods and you don't get bored and then ultimately, if you are getting bored, eating a variety of all these things, because you can really get bored even eating chips every day, right? You need more to your life than just food to feed you. So there's many levels to this. Sometimes, you know, I think people are going to the food for for many reasons. Most of it, what I hear is comfort, which in my belief, God is the only true comfort, right? This is the everlasting source of, of comfort, Two, for entertainment. And that's where it gets really dangerous, you know? (laughs) So, you know, in the coaching and when I work with people, we're digging into where else, like you had on a, a recent podcast where you were talking about healing and how music can provide healing and pets can provide healing. You know, it's the same thing, like if you are always going to food to be a companion for you. This is an opportunity to really look and and reflect and do an audit of your life and see what needs to be tweaked and worked on. So you're feeling more fulfilled in different areas of your life. So food doesn't have to be your man or whatever to make you feel good about yourself or whatever. You're not holding on to it like a crutch because food is supposed to be nutrition, not entertainment. Food is fuel. I love that.
1: One of the things I think we're concerned about right now is you, you mentioned a recent recent podcast episode. We talked about atomic habits and how our habits are really connected to our identity. And so having worked with your clients and, and, you know, been a consultant for all sorts of folks looking to change their their habits. What have you found is the identity that most Americans have when it comes to health?
0: The identity. Yeah, I think um What's what's coming to mind right now, like just as a country, first of all, we don't have a culture of health in this country. Right. Money runs just about everything. And and that trickles into politics and all sorts of things. I know for my family in particular, when I look at my black family, my West Indian family, all of my my siblings and my cousins were all first generation Jamaican American and the theme has been in my family, get the money, get the money, get the money. <laughs> you know, We got to build wealth. Right. Wealth is the thing. And so when we look at like I'm particularly working with folks who are dealing with obesity and diabetes, which tends to impact black and brown communities and black and brown communities are dealing with, you know, issues of wealth. Uh, disparities and health disparities that are connected to the wealth disparities. So the mindset before, like when I first started my podcast, I was very much like, you know, it shouldn't all be about the money, right? You need to focus on your health. Like This is important. But in that time, in the past two and a half years, I've learned a lot. And so I have definitely a lot more grace and space and understanding empathy for why my community in particular is so focused on the almighty dollar at this moment. So I put really my onus and pressure right now on the government through food policy. I'm doing a lot of food policy work to right the wrongs in the nation of disease it has created. (laughs) You know, hold on. The only reason we have
2: gotta stop you. Cause I just felt like that was such a strong statement that you made the nation of disease being any, um, was something else you said earlier that I was just like, yes, this is, this is what we're talking about in the sense of disparities affecting communities, um, of color more disproportionately. So, and, and this is why it's so important, right? Where there's a, there's definitely a catch 22, maybe perhaps of, of there's not money to eat more healthfully. And at the same time. The health, though, is affecting the ability to earn, right? And so it's that cycle that that definitely... And I think that's why I, I, why I was interested in having you on the podcast, Sam, because I feel that to see a Black woman like yourself, an audience, you cannot see her, but she's got the fro that I'm in love with, right? And beautiful brown skin and young, right? And so coming at raw food... For the circles that I'm in, generally, I'm speaking for my family, right? Different generations across the family. Raw food is like, why would you eat that? You're eating like a bird. Vegan is one thing. Raw vegan is this whole other extreme diet. Why would you ever do that? Right? It's for the young people, air quote. But to see you navigate that, and I heard you talk about Cafe Gratitude, which we all love in this (laughs) this group right here. I miss it so much the idea being that you made this journey is really inspiring because people get to see that it is possible. It is possible to do it and love it and and really feel the benefits of it. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, I just want to take that moment and be like, hold on, I need to honor that. We need a moment for that, to honor that, Sam, because that was really impactful. And I think really important to call out for, for anyone who's listening.
1: I was thinking about the pandemic and the fact that it's been harder to contain in the United States than other developed nations. And I think that The underlying reason is the fact that we don't have this identity of health. And yes, there are communities of color that have been disproportionately affected, food insecurity, inability to stay home, you know, having to continue to go to work and be amongst people because of the kind of occupations that are typically available to folks in those communities. All of those contribute to the fact that people who look like us may have been more disproportionately affected. But I think overall... It's just been difficult for people in rural communities and people in depressed economic areas. And only a small group of people, again, connected to money and a certain kind of privilege, have been able to keep themselves safer than others. I think it does speak to just as a, as a country where there's been difficulty trying to keep this disease from, from taking as many or affecting as many people and families as it has.
2: So to that point, we are all aware of... of the challenges people are facing in this nation of disease I might steal that Sam okay I might steal that somewhere put that on a poster okay but we're aware of the challenges that we're facing and specifically all everyone and disproportionately communities of color I want to focus our efforts on in this conversation on like what is the solution like why how is raw vegan for example, the solu- a solution that that is really accessible and I want to stress that we're accessible? for people who are looking to make a change and maybe feeling like it costs more to eat plants. And we've heard that it costs more to be vegan. <laughs> it costs more. And I, I don't believe that's true. I think education is the problem. And I'm curious about your thoughts on that. What, what, How is raw? So two questions. One, what are your thoughts on that? And two, how is raw vegan a possible solution for people?
0: So I wrote a book called You Can Afford to Be Healthy, right? Basically, At a time where I was getting a lot of folks telling me that this healthy living thing is just too expensive, too expensive. Right. I was looking from my lens and my perspective, looking at my family members and, you know, what we had. We all have salaries. We have a car. Right. So when I when I say raw foods like if you're above the poverty line, (laughs) right, you have a salary you have access to a full service grocery store then it's definitely accessible for you it's all about how you prioritize your spending now if you don't have access to those things that's where my window of understanding has broadened is if you don't have access to those things you only have access to a grocery store you can walk to right you're living in a food desert you don't need to be raw, you just want to be basically doing the best you can. So finding the whole foods and the healthier foods that you have access to and doing the best you can in that moment. But yeah, for other folks, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like there are subsidies by the government for unhealthy foods. And so if you're eating unprocessed food, yes, it's more than eating ramen noodles, right? But at the end of that, you're saving thousands of dollars on health bills, right? Because cancer is like, what, $25,000 the last time I heard from someone who was actually going through it. And health insurance, yeah, will cover a portion of it, but you still have to cover a good portion of that, you know? So for me, it feels like a better insurance policy because why go through the pain and suffering? Like I watched my grandma be a human pincushion while she was alive and quote unquote doing well, right? Because she was on the Metformin, the Plavix and all these 20 pills she had to take every day before her diabetes got so bad where she had to upgrade to insulin shots in the belly. And that was a longer needle. So she went from a testing blood glucose needle to a long needle in her stomach for insulin shots, you know, and it's like I I watched that my whole childhood. I did not want that from my life. I did not want to be a human pincushion. I didn't want to be popping twenty pills. And so I choose to eat this way because I just like wellness. I don't like pain. You know, and it's as simple as that. And so I prioritize my budget and my life accordingly. I make the time to prepare my meals. I make space in my budget to buy organic produce, to buy fruits and vegetables, you know, and foods that have tons of unhealthful ingredients or just even a ton of ingredients, you know, packaged stuff. I don't see it as food, meat, dairy, eggs. I don't see it even as food. So can I just pop in here? Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'm already on your train, Sam. Okay. But I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Devil doesn't, okay. need, devil doesn't need any more <laughs> advocates. Somebody say it. Okay. Um, okay. Hearing you, right? And honoring, right? This was, you, you saw this with your grandmother and you were very powerfully motivated to say, hold on, I'm going to make a different choice. And clearly you look healthy how do you know that this lifestyle what evidence and i and i speak to this with having the knowledge of your podcast and how the people that you've had on your podcast that speak to the things they've healed as a result of changing their diet and your personal story and your experience and everything you bring right now to this moment how do you know that this is what will keep you this is that is to say this diet this way of eating will keep you from the life that you saw with your grandmother, that you are very much so making a choice to to go in a different direction? How do you know that this is the right place?
0: Yeah. So I'm connected to Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and they're constantly releasing um, studies. It's a, a group of doctors who believe in food as medicine, and they push that first and foremost before going to pharma drugs and all this stuff, which Put stress on the kidneys and all of that, right? And also nutritionfacts.org, which I greatly appreciate because, again, they're looking at the research on plant foods and its benefits. Now, in terms of the difference between... So so that's all of the, the research, plus all the books, the China study, and all the books that have been written on why it's more healthful for populations to... Eat plant rich, right? Even the Blue Zones is another study that was done on the centarians, the longest lived people and communities, and how they eat. They're not vegan, but they're eating plant based, and the meat is eaten once a week or once a month, you know, which is basically how my mom grew up, right? When they lived in Jamaica, West Indies, in a rural area. So we already have the data on the research and the research for the case for going vegan, for going plant-based, whatever, like eliminate as much as you can meat, dairy, eggs, right? In terms of the raw now, raw, it's just a lot of testimony. And I believe people when they talk and there's a lot of people, (laughs) you know, so I've First, I was hearing other people's testimonies, which you can even see on Facebook in the different groups. And even amongst my clients who have tried it for themselves, my mom, who has tried it for herself, you know, every time she's doing a detox or a cleanse, it's a complete raw with herbs and stuff. And she feels so good. She feels lighter. Her brain feels sharper, right? And for me personally... I continue to eat raw, not necessarily for weight, although it helps because I can eat as much as I want, you know, and keep that weight, you know, contained, you know. So I'm not, you know, going crazy. But also, I had a history of acid reflux, and I remember in college my professor talking about how he had a friend who was basically drinking Pepto Bismol like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Until they had to remove half of his intestines and bring his stomach up into his chest, you know, because of all the acid, this thing did not help him, right? <laughs> but with raw foods, it has certainly helped me and it's helped my mom. So veganism helped somewhat because the dairy has been cut out and inflammatory meat and all this stuff. But the raw foods are something about the enzymes of raw foods that helps my digestion where, You know, I don't have issues with acid reflux. You know, I just feel more energetic. People are talking about how their eyes are clearer, their skin is tighter, they feel more peaceful. I have felt the spiritual benefits even of eating raw. And anyone who's ever fasted has felt that because when you cook a food, I don't know if you notice, like if you, when you eat cooked food, you feel tired after. There's a reason for that. And we in our, I would say we, as in the raw vegan community, we always attribute it to the enzymes. But, you know, there are different doctors who have different opinions about that. But when, from a raw vegan perspective, it has a lot to do with the case studies and personal experiences. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. I was just going to say it's something you, you talked about in terms of just feeling better. And I know that there's been a lot of conversation around like Lizzo and Who's the other celebrity? Monique. That's Monique. Yeah. And that, you know, I think, I mean, as a as a woman of some abundance, I do think about, you know, how can I eat to impact my weight? But it goes so much farther than that or further than that because that's only one component, right? And being able to to feel better, to sleep better, to have a better life, that's why I think the Jealous Vegan is, has been something that I've continued to stay connected to because that's what I want for my life, not just— you know, how I look on my vacation pictures.
0: I agree. Because I could care less about aesthetics. You would never hear me talking about, oh, you know, I want flat abs so I could be on Instagram and show it off. Because even if I did have flat abs, no one on Instagram would see it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, Because I'm not interested in being naked for mass consumption. You know, that's never been something of interest to me. However, just watching my grandma go from being of a healthy weight and then having her stomach just completely inflate, which could have been a combination of a few things. Obviously, she was on a diet path for type two diabetes to show up in the body. Things have been accumulating for seven years, just like we know for cancer to show up. It has been growing basically for 10 years. Right. So with her because I saw that, I just want to keep my body in check. So I'm not in an emergency mode where I have to like, you know, got it. I have to, I have to get this weight down type of thing, you know, and the, all of the things around that. So I try to just keep it. I feel like maintenance is so much easier than going crazy and then having to fix my mind to change mind back to some kind of control and all this kinds of stuff. So That's kind of like where I'm at, but I totally agree with you about like, there has to be more than aesthetics for you to stick to a thing. For me personally, like fitness is something that's really important to me personally. And I do it not to look a certain way, but because my mood is better, you know, I'm less stressed out. I'm more joyful. You know, my menstruation is a lot easier. I don't have pain. And diet has a huge factor, you know, when it comes to menstrual health as well and dealing with pain and excessive blood and all this. But I noticed from my body, if I don't work out, there's a higher likelihood of me having cramps. If I work out consistently, I don't have cramps, you know, and also making sure my workouts aren't me brutalizing myself, right? Because my stress levels are impacted based off of the workouts that I'm doing. So whereas... In the past, I used to do a lot of hit. I don't do that anymore. You know, I have to kind of feel into my body and see where I'm at in terms of stress so that the workouts that I'm doing is not inducing more of a stress response, but instead a relaxation response, because when the body's in relaxation, that's where healing can happen, which plays into, you know, weight maintenance and all this kinds of stuff. So, like, I totally agree. There has to be more to it, a, a holistic approach to health. Like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you eating what you're eating? Why are you moving the way you're moving? You know, what's important to you? Sam,
2: I feel like we could talk to you for like three more hours on all the stuff you just talked about. Okay. You got to slow down. Cause we go, you're <laughs> going too fast. And I, there's so much stuff coming up as you're talking. I'm just like, wait, 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 hold on. I'm going to piggyback on that. <laughs> um, the, and, and, and really your body of work that you have for your podcast, right? Like indicates like some of the collected evidence that you bring to bear and the people that you have on your podcast too, right? All the things, you touched on so many things. I want to speak to habit change because you were talking about your workout and you're noticing it in your body, not just like in how you feel in the flat abs, but also like all the things. I noticed that myself. It Working out is an a emotional hygiene practice for me too. And like getting back to calm and, and feeling relaxed. There is something I wanted to ask you about your programs and your cookbooks as you guide people through. But first, does anybody else have anything? Because I'm going to go in a different direction.
3: Well, I was just going to say, um, I think what you just said before before April started speaking speaks to what we were talking about earlier about the, the culture of the U.S., right? Is nobody's thinking about how to stop the problem from happening. We're primarily focused on, okay, now I have this problem. What pill can you give me? Or like, how can I just like make this thing go away. And a lot of times people aren't even interested in making it go away as much as, I just don't want to feel that it's happening. And that has been like a huge problem. And when you talk about, you know, people, the way they eat, the way they deal with stress, even like relationships and everything, everybody's on the the band-aid fix and not the actual process that it takes to to really heal yourself. And I think a lot of times people don't approach it because they feel like it's a lot of work. But yeah, it's a lot of work, like, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? If you're going to come out better on the other side, then, then do the work. And so that that was just what I was thinking of when you were talking is like, it's just so common in American culture that nobody is thoughtful, you use the word thoughtful, and nobody's thoughtful about the decisions that they make when it comes to how they take care of themselves, how they eat, what they put into their mind and their body and how they nourish themselves. People are just doing what everybody else is doing. And the next thing, whatever shows up, you know, I'll have that. And I think for, for myself, when I started to really look at intentional like living doing things intentionally all the way down to what time I go to sleep what time I get up what what are my routines like what are my habits like what conversations am I having what am I allowing people to put in to me energy wise and when I was really a lot more intentional about that I feel like for sure my life changed and I think people do well to be a lot more thoughtful so that's all I had on that.
0: I want to
2: ask about, you mentioned smoothies. I'm on the juicing thing. I love the juicing. I, my husband is a diehard carnivore, but juicing, I can get him to. He's on the juicing bandwagon. And it's one thing, it's like a baby step of like, okay. So if I can, I get water and I get veggies in his body. However, I also recognize that smoothies give you the fiber, right? And so it's the whole food. I want to make a transition there. So my curious question question is, and you maybe speak to this in your program, so feel free to invite that in. How? Like the the biggest thing about raw vegan is like, but how though? (laughs) How do you you plan this? How do you get it? Like, what what do you eat? It's the same question they ask about vegan, by the way. What do you eat? How do you do this? And then what resources can help?
0: Yeah. So I do have a 30-day raw vegan challenge and you'll have the link in the show notes the way I usually tell people to approach it is like kind of like how I did. You know, you have to know yourself, actually, because some people like to go all in head first on a thing and then assess how it's worked for them, how they feel about it and all of that. For me, in my transition, I just started with the green smoothie in the morning because my goal was to eat more vegetables. I was vegan and I needed to learn how to eat more vegetables. And so I started with the breakfast. Then I moved on to lunch. Then I moved on to dinner. And eventually I was there, you know? Uh, but it was a step by step process. So at the time, I didn't do any challenges or anything like that. So if, with this 30 day raw vegan challenge, You know, depending on where you are mentally on this, like how committed you are to doing this, you can try it where you're only doing the breakfast, you're only doing a lunch or dinner or whatever, or you're doing the whole thing full out for a week, two weeks, the whole 30 days. You can decide how much you want to really approach it, how much you want to engage with this and just experience it for yourself. What are the benefits? How are you feeling for you? Because the science and the research could say a ton of stuff. But if you're not feeling it right, then obviously it's not working for you. And then you would want to figure out why. Why is that not working for you? And hopefully you'll email me and engage with me at some point to really dig into that. Because sometimes, you know, like on YouTube, you have these vegans, these ex-vegans, even as an example, who will be like, oh, you know, I got this and I got that being vegan or whatever. And I'm like, well, I've been vegan uh, 13 years and I never had that issue. And it's probably because I'm not eating all that crap. Like there's only so much fiber you can fit in your stomach. Right. So if you're making space for burgers and fries, how much space can you have for kale, collard greens, asparagus and what you understand? There's a balance to all of this. I actually have a talk coming up that I'm doing at a conference about osteoporosis, and this is where juicing really comes into play because the amount of calcium that we need as women in particular, too, and especially if you're at a healthy healthy weight because obese people have thicker bone mineral densities. So if you're of a healthy weight, you have actually less strong bones, right? Just based off of the research. But juicing can really help because the amount of calcium you need without being dependent on supplements you can get from a juice because you don't have to worry about fiber, right? Um, So it's a balance. So, yeah, that's why I would just encourage people to just engage, start slow or start fast, depending on your own personality type.
2: Okay, you just put my thinking cap on just now. Like, wait, what? Juicing can help with your calcium? Tell me more about this. Okay. picture the emoji with the the
1: hand on the chin, like, what? (laughs) I like how you describe that too, Samantha, because in the Atomic Habits episode, we talked about people want to know how long will it take for me to get to the thing that I want. And the way that the author of that book discusses it is it's more about how many times you need to do something before it becomes a habit. And so you can do it fast, right? Meaning that you do it more times over a shorter period or you can do it more slowly, right? So fewer repetitions over a longer period. But either way, I think you've made a pretty strong case for how accessible it can be to use the power of food to either heal or prevent, and then eventually maintain a healthy weight, a healthy body, a happier life.
2: Just one more question before we probably go out. And that is, you mentioned the programs. Um, if someone is saying, they watched this, ep- they're listening to this episode and they're saying, okay, even a skeptical, okay, but I'll play. <laughs> and they decide to take the seven day challenge. What could they expect from? Are, are you giving them cook, uh, you know, recipes, or what could they expect, for example, from the seven day challenge?
0: Oh yeah, okay, so great. So there's there's two. There's the thirty day raw vegan challenge, which is all raw, right? And it there's a meal plan and everything. And over the thirty days, you get an email every day answering every question you could possibly ask about the raw vegan diet? How do I do this to lose weight? How do I do it to gain weight? How do I do it with my kids? You know, all of the things, how do I do it in a culturally relevant way? Because I'm from, you know, the Caribbean, I'm from Italy, I'm from Mexico, you know, we have all of that in there. And then there's also the eat clean challenge, which is a seven day challenge, which is more about just eating clean. Both of these challenges keep doing this and you will lose weight. Like there's just no way you're not going to lose weight, you know, but of course with raw veganism, your body goes into a deeper detox because you are healing and cleansing on such a deep cellular level, uh, with these foods. So both of them though, you get a, you get resources, you get meal plans, and you'll have, um, links to even more and more recipes and things. So like You know, if you just wanted one place that you could go and you wouldn't have to go anywhere else, like both of these resources are going to be very, very helpful for you. That sounds
2: amazing. You've inspired me to think about it. Of course, I want to lose my COVID weight. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) how much did you gain in in COVID? Because I gained 20.
1: I don't think it was. I'm on that path. (laughs) What'd you say, Jen? I think I'm on that path. I'm on the COVID-20 plan. (laughs) Yes.
0: And I realized it's because I wasn't wearing my work pants. I was wearing elastic bands. I'm like, oh, these work pants. I I hated those (laughs) work pants. And I'm like, now I see the value you have, you know? (laughs) Reminded
1: me there are minutes. It's a reference point, right? Like, oh,
0: okay. When something starts feeling uncomfortable, you're like, wait, what's going on?
1: Yeah, yes,
0: because I look in the mirror and in the morning I look great. I look at myself like you look bomb, you know, because I love the way I look. But when I put on the word pants, I was like, let me weigh myself. And I realized, wow, 20 pounds. That's quite a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what mine is, but I know what my pants feel like to your point. And they don't fit like they're supposed to fit. OK,
0: okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think
1: um, I'll give Lisa an opportunity. She wanted to to Offer a closing thought. Oh uh,
3: no, uh, I was thinking I would. Yeah, with the COVID way, I don't, I put some on and I took it back off, so I'm pretty much the same at this point, which is winning. I also went back to work, so that that was a huge thing. I wasn't, which I'm always moving. So, so again, we'll we'll link to the two
1: opportunities for people who have listened to this and been inspired to consider how they might more fully incorporate the power of plants in their diet. So there's a 30 day raw vegan challenge, which again we'll link to, or the eat clean seven day challenge. But either way, we encourage you to think about and consider how small changes that you make today, really on an atomic level, can help change your identity and get you to be the person that you really want to be living your best life.
2: Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take two minutes and leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. And in the meantime, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.